Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. Hey, Richard. Hey, Darren. So today I'd like to talk about something that's very close to my heart and I'm sure very close to yours as well, no doubt. Um, it's something that I believe represents a major crossroads in anyone's spiritual journey and a test even, and one that um, we all come to sooner or later, I believe. Um, and I think the decision we make at that crossroads, you know, is either the making of us and our, our future spiritual path or something that we, we come to regret. Um, because it's the only thing I think that really matters in the end, and that is standing up for spiritual truth. Absolutely. So I thought uh, we could talk today about a few things, you know, why it matters, for example, why it can be such a crossroads or a test for us, and then also what we can all do to become braver people, which obviously there's, there's so much that we can draw on from the mind there really is. I think one of the big things about the path now in this period leading into the new age is a massive difference in that in the past, the really devoted spiritual person would detach from the materialistic scheme, you might call it, the world out there, or in the old days, they'd even call it maya, uh, delusion, in other words. Um, and they detached completely from it. So, I mean, if you look at the East, often they had a begging bowl. They didn't earn money. They didn't have to take care of tax returns, insurance policies, whether they had a pension, uh, look, you know, what home they lived in, going to work. Mm. They, could, they just detached in that way. In one way, it's much more difficult now because we serve, as a master theorist once put it, amid the clatter. Mm. Wonderful phrase that. We are here in this... World, we have to engage in material things, but not in materialism. And so it's more difficult, it's more testing in that regard. But it's also far more rewarding because that's where you can make a far bigger difference in the old days. And strangely, even in the Christian religion, this whole monastic tradition grew up, which almost seems to contradict what the Master Jesus and his disciples did. Nevertheless, it grew up. It was, it's kind of in the DNA of, of, of humanity. Uh, it's the spiritual traditions of this earth. They have changed. We're now out there. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. So the tests come right smack in front of us. And we have to not buy into, even subconsciously, buy into the standards of the materialistic world while at the same time engaging in it where we need to. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually, that I haven't even really considered when I was thinking about this show, because it's one thing to be sort of, conf you know, be confronted with somebody or something and have to stand up for, for truth or to talk about it and to be ridiculed or something like that. Yeah. But it's another thing just to live your life in such a way that you have the clarity of mind or presence of mind and, and, and spiritual realisation, not to engage in the materialist aspect, like you say, um, even though we have to live in the world and deal with everything that's I mean, you mentioned their ridicule. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's another thing, too. If you cut yourself away from the world, you won't be ridiculed because you won't come into contact with it. If you just surround yourself only with people, uh, you know, from that, from your tradition, your belief, 
And there are a number of people who um, separate the two, they, and it might make it easier for them. I'm not judging them for this, but they will do their spirit, live their spiritual life, not really talk about it, even with relatives and very close people, not at work. It may not even be known what they really believe. But if you're on this path, and if you're really active in this path, sooner or later, those worlds will collide, one way or another. Yeah. And as fact, especially in the internet age. I mean, and to me, I don't want secrets anyway. I'd rather just... I've been in the public eye for a long time, as you know, so I, even if I chose to, I couldn't. But I, I wouldn't choose to. So you do get... I mean, ridicule is a weapon of the day. It's not like the worst weapon that any spiritual person's ever faced, by far. You know, we're not being thrown into dungeons. Yeah. Touch wood here. Um, <laughs> touch wood here. Yeah. Um, we're not being, um, you know, tortured, burnt at the stake for our beliefs at this present time, whereas many have, even for cosmic beliefs. Mm. Um, so we just get ridicule. I mean, I've had it even this year. I've been on a mainstream TV show. It, it actually didn't work very well, but the producers thought it was very clever mm. to bring in someone in an ET mask. And oh, how funny that was. Uh, actually, the presenter, who's an old friend of mine, didn't like it at all, didn't even know about it, and apologised on air, which is unusual. Mm -hmm. uh, all credit to him. But, um, yeah, you're going to get this. It's, it's a puerile, pathetic response to a very... I mean, we've all got a sense of humour, by the way, and we should have one. We need one on this path. And Dr King definitely had one. But at the same time, it's a way for most people, strangely, of dealing with great truths. Yeah, you know, they, they, they just laugh at it, which doesn't mean it's untrue. Mm -hmm. That's just a, an escape valve. Yeah. But to the spiritual person, yeah, we actually, there's a a transmission from Saint Guling, who introduced each one of the nine freedoms, which is our core teaching on this, uh, this, this show, um, that every time a spiritual person is ridiculed, uh, they are, these aren't his exact words, manipulating their karma in their journey to enlightenment. So it's an, actually a, a sort of badge of honour if you stand firm. Also, we're told... And we were told very clearly by Mars Sector 6, the giver of the nine prisms, to fight ye the evil mm -hmm. in these days. So it's not enough just to ignore it. Now, we don't, that doesn't mean with weapons, that doesn't right. mean hurting anybody physically or anything like that. What it does mean, though, is with spiritual energy, with light, with love, um, with the violet flame practice which we perform in the Aetherius Society, but also it means with, above all, with truth. So, uh, and I will say the show that I did gave me the full opportunity to respond, not on my behalf, actually, but on behalf of many listeners out there who hold these things very seriously and don't deserve to have them ridiculed. It's hard enough for the average person who's had a, a spiritual experience or a, an extraterrestrial experience of seeing a, a UFO or something like that to talk about it sometimes without getting this absurd, pathetic Ridicule. So, yeah, stand for truth. Um, you know, speak out what you believe. Um, you, you know, the uh, the greater inventions of history were ridiculed. The great artistic directions, or many of them, were ridiculed when they first happened. Um, there's a wonderful story, actually, of I believe I'm right in saying it's Saint Barnabas, follower of one of the twelve. 
uh, going to Rome and giving a talk in the, in the, in the centre of Rome um, about um, Jesus and, and, and the coming, you know, the, the resurrection. It was after the resurrection. And he was being mercilessly ridiculed by the crowd with stupid questions like how many legs has a centipede got and just, just, just making fun of the whole thing in their own Roman way at that time. Along comes Clement, a, a citizen of Rome, quite a prosperous family he came from, heard all this going on, took St Barnabas away back to his home, got really interested and later became... Either the second pope, or the Catholic Church would say the fourth pope, wow. um, but he became um, virtually the aide of St. Peter later wow. and wrote many of the things that are now in the Bible. Um, so you never know. We've had that experience in the society too. We've had you know, um, attempts to ridicule us, and from those very attempts have sometimes come very good very dedicated members who could see through the nonsense yeah. and get to the truth. I think that, you know, it's such an incredibly important point there. I mean, not only, you know, highlighting from a karmic point of view, but, um, and, and, and exactly what Tinkerling is talking about, but, you know, if I think of even just my own small way in my life, you know, as you said, in the internet age, all these things collide. You can't really hide who you are. Mm. So, mm. you know, when people look me up at work on LinkedIn or something and they look at other place online, they come across, you know, my website, the Spiritual Freedom Show, and mm. stuff. And I've had people on, like, conference calls, you know, Quite a lot of people say, "Hey, are you? Are you is that your podcast? And, and, you know, the spiritual freedom show?" Like, yeah, yeah, it is. Mm. And they're like, "Wow, let's talk to you afterwards." I'm like, yeah. "That's interesting. You get that too. You absolutely get." Yeah, absolutely. And what I've found, uh, am I interrupting you? You finished? Well, yeah. I was just, just yeah. going to say, you know, so it's like, yes, you're right. You put yourself at risk of ridicule in a way, right? But, but yeah. it's, it's in the greater cause of of sharing spiritual truth with the world. And as you say the right person is going to resonate with that. And it, it makes it all, that's what it's all about, isn't it? We can't yeah. worry about the people who are going to ridicule us or, or you know, cast stones or whatever else, because it's not, and it will even have an impact on them. At some point, you know, that seed may prosper and grow. But for the person who's ready, that's an amazing moment for them. It certainly is. And I, mean, I remember when I first joined the society, I was a student up at Hull University, mm -hmm went to a lecture, I believe it might have been in Doncaster, given by Dr. King, somewhere like that, or Wakefield, I'm not sure which. But he was giving the lecture, and in the audience, I think it might have been about a mission called Operation Prayer Power. He was introducing it, I think it was that one. And in the audience were some idiots, as I see them, just laughing at him. Um, and most of the audience were. They were just kind of interrupting everybody, really. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how annoying, you know, as a young student, these gits, you know, they, you know, and I thought Dr. King might be a bit annoyed. He wasn't. He looked at them, he, he realised he knew exactly what they were doing. I could see, I didn't know him in those days personally, but I was sort of following him around the country when he spoke. Um, and he actually looked with great compassion on them and continued his talk and virtually appealed to them to go beyond where they were. Um, it, it's, it is quite a, a, a reaction of the lower self, actually, just to laugh at something. And you, you get it a lot in the media. Mm. Things are just dismissed because they don't fit. They don't fit a certain agenda, so they must be wrong. They don't know that they're wrong, right. but they're willing to say, oh, no, no, people can't do this, people don't do that, that wouldn't happen. Mm. 
they've got no idea. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned that that particular um, uh, incident with Dr. King because I think I read that as well, actually, in the mm. transcripts. And I actually found that such a moving thing to yeah. read because I was just like, wow, here's a man who knows God. Yeah. And he, he, he lives this 24 hours a day. This is his reality. Mm. And it's completely true. And and then, you know, there's people kind of making fun of it in that way. And for, for him, yeah, because what I got from that was that he wasn't indignant or angry or anything. He just felt this tremendous almost sadness for them. He did, yeah. And it's just to see, like, another spark of God, which no doubt he saw, just under such ignorance and limitation that they can't even realize. That exactly. And I've actually, coming back to your other point, I've lost track of the number of people who, who have taken me aside over the years and quietly said to me, you know, I'm, now I've got you alone. This is what I really think, and could you tell me about that? And, mm. But when they're in company with others, they, they, play, they feel they can do it, which is weak. You know, we have to be honest about it. It's very, I've had people who said, I can't even tell my own wife that I've seen a UFO. That's going back a few years, but you know, lots of people pr they want to keep it private. They they their fear. There's a fear. The first freedom is bravery. I think that's what we're really talking about here. Mm -hmm. And if people really, if we think it's difficult now, sometimes, and it's much easier than it used to be. I mean, we now have governments, including the you know the most powerful government in the world, the American government, actually admitting that UFOs exist. Mm -hmm. They didn't used to do that three years ago. So there's a big shift. There's a big change. Uh, the question is now, you know, what, what is their, what are they, why are they doing this? Why aren't they? And that's where people should come to us. Mm -hmm. And I do mean the Ethereum Society because there, I'm not saying we're the only organization in the world with any truth. We're not. But certainly there is no organization like us. So with our, with our longevity and our record mm -hmm. of, of the contacts of Dr. George King. So everybody who wants to know the truth, and a lot of people actually don't want to know the truth, um, they won't admit it, but they don't. Mm -hmm. But if they do, and they should come to us and at least investigate, form your own conclusions. Mm. It's um, interesting that you talk, you know, how much the, the environment has changed around UFOs. I think the same goes for spirituality more widely. Yeah. Because, um, you know, there, there are, you know, you can find yourself amongst a lot of like-minded people, you know, who are spiritually inclined or spiritual beliefs, etc., and exploring, you know, energy and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I can, I, the real test, I think, is when you come to the edge of that community and you're, you're speaking to the mainstream or people who, who, who don't believe to the point of thinking it's ridiculous yeah. and having to expand the sphere of that truth into the world mm. as, a, as a teacher, as someone who's inspiring other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you said, I think that's, that's where I think the test really comes for us because it's one thing to be sort of grow within an environment that's sort of supportive of your beliefs and, you know, you've got like-minded people there. But it's another thing to say, I'm going to carry the banner of spiritual truth and I'm going to go out into the world despite... Come what may, Come what despite may. reception. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, I saw a poll, now you're talking about that, interestingly, the other day, uh, and it came out this year, and I think it was published in the Daily Mirror, um, but in the poll, it was, a, it was a review of people in Britain and their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And there are, there's a lot of move. This is not a country which really regards itself as very religious. I mean, much less so, for example, than the United States. Right. Yeah, yeah. But 70% of the people polled regarded themselves as spiritual. 
Yeah, in this poll, which was interesting. So it shows that in most people's minds there is a difference. And there actually there, there shouldn't need to be a difference, but because of the way that some religions have been manufactured, have you know, introduced their own dogmas, have introduced, frank, frankly, profit-making and various other dogmas into it, um, then people are turned against and they've seen the corruption in certain organizations they've seen the corruption that's another easy label for people to throw at any new organization is the word cult mm -hmm. and as soon as you say that you've dismissed everything they believe yeah. whereas actually it's a it is a very bad word now and there are some very bad organizations out there they're not all religious actually some of them are political some of them are personal development. Some of them could even be financial mm -hmm. cults. And there, there are bad ones out there. Mm -hmm. But just, you know, the Ethereum Society, I have to immediately say, is not a cult, not in the understood word of, at all. Uh, people can come or go or believe what they want or not believe what they want. And they won't be, there's no attempt to interfere with anybody at all in their lives or anything else. It's up to them what they do. But it's such an easy thing to throw around, and it's, and it's lazy, and also it's got a subtle thing, oh, well, then everything they say is wrong. You could actually have an organisation which is giving the truth but was cult-like in their behaviour. You could have that uh, out there. And, I, you know, some of the traditional religions, they were all cults when they started of one kind or another, that has crept in. Uh, cults in the old sense of the word when they started, you know, including Buddhism, including Christianity. Yeah. Now it's become a, a, a pejorative word, a bad word, because of the gross behaviour of certain organisations. But it doesn't need to be that way. You could also have an organisation which is, you know, quite deluded, uh, actually wrong on their knowledge, but very well behaved. You, you know, there's all these different parameters are possible. Or you could have an organisation like the Ethereum Society... I would say this, but it actually happens to be true, uh, where, you know, we, we behave correctly uh, overall. Everyone's made mistakes, but uh, we, we, we don't behave in the ghastly cult-like way that some organisations do. And, above all, it's true. Yeah, yeah I completely agree with that. I think there's, you know, there's, there's also um, something encouraging, I think, that people can draw in general, which is that even though there is a very, there tends to be, like, a loud kind of voice of ridicule, dismissal, of things like that, that you know, there are still many, many, many people, as you say, 70% of people who, who identify as spiritual, who, who are inclined... In this 70, way. according so, to this poll, might yeah, be more, yeah. And who, who are inclined in this way, and who, who are open to learning more, to discovering yeah. more, to understanding more about spirituality and truth. And it's, it's almost like, um, you know, we have that loud voice is, is, is almost... It doesn't have any body. It's just like, where is it coming from? But it's there, and it creates a sense of fear and limitation where people are afraid to speak out or afraid to identify with what they really believe, you know, taking you aside, you know, after mm. the talk, yeah. rather than putting their hand up in the middle of, you know, the hall. I believe this, and I stand by it, and I stand for it. Yeah. And as, as we said earlier, according to St. Guling, that's a great way to progress yourself towards your own enlightenment. And I think, you know... I'd like to talk about that a bit more because you talked about the karma of it mm. and 
So what's really going on there? I mean, when we stand up for truth and, you know, we might be ridiculed for it, and what's happening? Really? You're planting seeds. Yeah. You know, we've got to, we've got to remember that. It's, uh, you know, in the Ethereum Society, just to give an example, I, I want to stress this, we aren't the only people putting out spiritual truths far, far, far from it. We're not a one and only way. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we embrace common ground with other spiritual organizations where we find it. Uh, but anyone who's doing that is planting seeds into the ethers, into the mind belt of, of the world. And all pioneers have come up against resistance when they've done that. And the resistance is sometimes dark forces, if it's important enough. Most things may not be important enough for them to really engage, but the cosmic message is important enough for the dark forces to try and oppose it, and they have done fairly successfully, but things are changing now, thank, thankfully. But somebody, I mean, if we think it's difficult, quite difficult now, can you imagine what it was like for Dr. King in the 1950s in conservative Britain, um, with a small c conservative, um, when you know he was conducting a rally uh, saying the governments were lying at a time when people just didn't say that governments lied? Now they don't say that. They all say it. Yeah. It's much easier. Yeah. But somebody has to plant those seeds. We're still planting seeds. Mm. We're planting seeds when we say that energy can be stored in a battery. Mm. That sounds crazy to some people. Doesn't make it untrue. Electricity sounded crazy. The telephone sounded crazy. Is it true is all that matters. Now, you might get resistance. The resistance might appear sometimes to win and silence you for a, for a while, only temporarily. But all the while, that will, because it's true, it will grow, it will prosper, and, and, and the plants will come forth from it. So that the pioneer, the person who goes out against the ridicule, against the disbelief, and by the way, it may not be in the media, it might be among their close loved ones. Yeah. It might be just among people, if it's, if it's a sensible thing to do, at work. It could be anywhere. You could be in a social environment. In that way, that person is, by standing by truth, is, is planting a seed which must grow because it's true and because, therefore, it's correctly fertilized. It's, going to, it's, not, a, you know, it's not going to, to die and wither. And in time, it, this is what will enable people to draw from that in future generations. You take a concept, for example, like Jesus is the one and only Son of God. Now, you know, as it happens, I was brought up with that, as I'm sure you were probably too. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't actually believe he to, him to be the one and only Son of God. That's a whole other story. He's a great, great master from another world. But that idea that he's the one and only Son of God and that he resurrected from the dead, certainly while I was growing up, was considered perfectly normal. Mm. It's actually a pretty outrageous claim. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't mean it's untrue when I say outrageous, but it's a really controversial claim, incredibly controversial. Somebody actually rose from the dead. But it seemed really normal. Why did it seem normal? Because it's firmly embedded yeah. in the mind belt of Earth. That's what we're doing. We're embedding these, these ideas of truth. And eventually, they, they, you know, no matter how outlandish they may seem, but it, can you imagine what it must have been like, say, for St. Paul, for example, and some of the others, to go around out, even outside you know, their, their, their home territory and into uh, other nations and put out that idea? 
um, and they were pilloried, and we know that many of them were killed. And, 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 they, and some of the martyrs were sowing seeds of truth through their deaths, which was the pattern sent, set by Jesus and St. Peter, actually. Now, we're not required to do that. It's not even advantageous to do that now. It'd be much better to serve, to use our energy to help the world. But we have to put up with the resistance, and it's going to be there until gradually these seeds of truth filter through the ethers and bring change so that it's easier then for future generations to recognize them. Oh, I, I love that image that you just described. Mm. Because I think, you know, one of, the, one of the things that's really encouraging about, you know, us thinking about ourselves standing up for truth is how much we can be an inspiration and an example to others. Mm -hmm. Even though it won't be obvious at the time, probably. Mm. It may not be obvious for a long time. Maybe mm. the results of that will take, you know, many months, years, or hundreds of years even mm. to manifest. I mean, in the case of those pioneers you just talked about, it could, it's hundreds of years before Christianity really blossomed and grew into a substantial... But I, I will say this, as, you know, being fortunate enough to be the biographer of Dr. George King, mm -hmm. together with my colleague Brian, friend Brian Kniep, he, his critics, and he's had many, and he's had disbelievers, many, and I'm sure still does, but none of them that I've ever come across can fault his integrity or his willingness to live what he taught. Mm -hmm to stand by what he, he believed from day one, which was 1954, May the 8th, really, mm -hmm. through to his passing on July the 12th, 1997. He never, for one day, for one hour, deviated from that truth, that teaching, uh, that pattern, that path. He didn't run away and hide. Uh, you know, we're not an organization that won't do interviews. He did many himself, and when he couldn't, um, people like me did them on his behalf or on behalf of his organization mm -hmm. um, and we're still doing them we know we are we've st stood firm whereas there are some other organizations where their leaders won't appear in the media mm -hmm. they run a mile from the media they don't wish to be challenged uh, we don't care you know we'll come out and generally things are better than they used to be now but it doesn't matter we're there and he lived this all the way, and I, don't, I think if we're looking for a pattern of someone who stood by truth, I would say that is right there in front of us, the author of this book, The Nine Freedoms. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree, and I think, you know, drawing on these teachings like The Nine Freedoms, the one thing you can abs be absolutely sure of is that they are true. Yeah. And so, as you, you know, in standing up for these teachings, you can have the 100% confidence that you're standing up for truth. Yeah, well, that's something I would say to encourage people who are finding it maybe difficult, especially me, might be with people very close to them, mm -hmm. to speak up and stand by truth. And there may be people trying to drag them away from it. So you don't want to get involved in that. Oh, no, don't you know, think about yourself and yeah. your, et cetera, all the usual yeah. stuff. It's, it's happened for thousands of years, by the way. It's nothing new about it. Yeah. Um, that... When you do this also, and I think this is where St. Guling was being very helpful, and the Master of Theory said something very similar. He, he, he made it quite clear in a transmission called Your Own Becoming, which is in Wisdom of the Planets. Uh, he commended people who had put up with ridicule, obviously in those days, allowed it to flow from their, like mud from their backs mm -hmm. and stood firm. And, it was, and they'd conquered a test, he said. Mm -hmm. But what will also happen, you'll get strength from it. Every time you do it, uh, difficult as it may be, it'll become less difficult. You'll get more strength. You'll be helped and avenues will be opened uh, where you can actually 
speak this truth. Uh, I'm not going to call it your truth, as some people now call it. It is the truth. And that will be empowered within you, and you'll get a, an increasing strength within yourself. At first, when you get this resistance, and I've had it you know, in a very difficult condition, especially in the old days in the media and well before the internet age, uh, and you'd get very nasty callers sometimes on phoning calls, you'd get abused sometimes, um, and it can put you off, it can weaken you temporarily. Mm -hmm. But if you stand firm, you keep going, you'll get more strength from it, you'll see it for what it is, and you'll be more resilient on your path. Everybody's down here. Thanks for tuning into the show. Now, if you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to subscribe for more wisdom from the Nine Freedoms. If you'd like to find out more about the Nine Freedoms, about Mars Sector 6 by Dr. George King, go to our website, thethetherius.org. Rich and I love hearing from you, receiving your comments, your questions, and your spiritual experiences, and talking about them on the show. So do write to us, share them with us at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. Always remember that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. See you next time.